Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, at the very bottom of 1 Corinthians 10, and also 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. First Corinthians chapter 10, last few verses, and then First Corinthians 11 verse one. Let me read First Corinthians 11 verse one, and then I'll give you some backfill as we move forward. Reading from the NIV, the Apostle Paul's the writer. He's writing to the church at Corinth in the Greek Peninsula. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I have so many flaws. I'm imperfect and people know that I'm not always at my best. How can I ask somebody to follow me. Maybe the Apostle Paul can ask people to follow him as he follows Christ. But I could never ask people to do that. And yet as a mom, as a dad, as a grandparent, perhaps a sibling, or just a friend. We know other Christ followers watch us, and we know some of them are looking for friendly people to assist them in their own spiritual formation or journey. How can we have the confidence to ask or allow others to follow us as we follow Christ? Well, let's sort this out together. The specifics in this text can actually be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In fact, if I were laying the Bible out, I probably would have suggested to them that did it that 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 actually becomes 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 34. Because I think all of that is, is part of one conversation. The Apostle Paul is asking the Corinthians to be wise in how they manage their walk with God. But the gist of this is how they manage their walk with God in front of other people. And I, and I think that's one of the things as Christ followers that we need to remind ourselves about, right? That you are not living your walk in a closet. You're not living your walk in a cave. That there are countless people, we are surrounded by countless people, and there are eyes of countless people on us as we do this thing called Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul is asking the Corinthian church to be wise in how they manage their walk in front of two groups of people. The first group that he addresses there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 are Jews and Gentiles who are not Christ followers. In other words, you know, it's important how we live our life out in front of those who are yet not Christ followers, aren't yet believers, followers of the way. But at the same time, he also addresses the need 
to be careful about how we live this life and how we walk the walk in front of other you know, members of the body of Christ, the church family, so to speak. Let me read this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, let me uh, begin in verse 30. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks, speaking of the unsaved. And then he says, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that's why I believe 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 would be better printed, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 34, because that's the complete thought. Once you get into 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2, he's on a whole other thing, talking about a whole other topic there. So the goal is to live a life that attracts people to Christ and that the use of our freedoms in Christ doesn't become a problem to others. And, and again, this sounds really archaic and old, but the gist is this. Back in those days, 2,000 years ago, right, there were certain foods considered clean and unclean by Jewish people, whether they were saved Jews or unsaved Jews. And Gentiles often broke a lot of the Jewish cultural and, and, you know, kind of dietary laws, and it offended them a lot. So he's reminding those in the church about, you know, how to conduct themselves, to be sensitive to those that you're fellowshipping with, whose eyes are on you, that something that you do doesn't cause some offense or some stumbling block that you won't be able to share the gospel with them somewhere down the road because you've caused an offense. So be careful in the use of your freedoms is the gist of what's going on here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. That's the specifics of it. And so when Paul says to them, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, in its narrowest terms, that's what he's talking about the use of your freedoms that they don't get in the way of you being able to be a good Christ sharer to others. But I want to take that thought and just broaden the perspective just a little bit. That's what it means on a specific level, but on a general level, what the Apostle Paul is telling us also helps us to understand the role of discipleship and mentoring others. In the last couple of weeks, I've spoken to you about the, the necessity of, of Jesus being Lord. Today, I want to continue that and continue to speak about Jesus being Lord and about following his example, but understanding that in the church that we have others, too, that can help us in making Jesus Lord and living the quality Christian life. So... Paul is assuming a number of things. And one of the things that he is assuming here is that we value learning from one another in our churches. So Paul says, look, on this particular matter, follow my example. You may not be sure how to navigate this. Follow my example, and I will help you navigate this so that we don't become a stumbling block to those that haven't yet believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. It teaches us that we learn from those who have gone ahead of us, and that's a good thing to follow from those who are more mature, more seasoned, regardless of what their age is. But they've just advanced well in the faith. We see specific examples of that in books like 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus, where the Apostle Paul is writing to those younger pastors, not just about them following his example, 
but specifically in Titus, the Apostle Paul says uh, to Titus, the pastor there on Crete, look, release your people, release those who are seasoned in the faith to be a blessing to the younger generations. There are lots of things the younger generations can learn as it relates to faith and walking with Jesus that, yeah, maybe they could pick up on their own. Maybe they will discover for themselves, you know, as they go through life. But there are blessings that you can share with them now, things that you can share with them now. Maybe there's some bad things that you can help them, you know, kind of not stumble into by giving them your seasoned, your more mature Christian advice and counsel right now. Maybe they won't have to go through some of the pain that the former generations did as they were journeying along the path. So follow me as I follow Christ tells us that those in the church, the leaders and others in the church will call us to follow them, that it's okay to do that. Now, I was very careful the first two sermons in this to remind you, just as we sang today, that Jesus is the center of it all, right? Don't back away from that. I don't back away from what I've shared with you the first two sermons regarding the series, and you shouldn't either. But at the same time, I don't want to suggest to you that that, that sets you up to mistru mistrust godly leaders either. Because then that's swinging the other way. And I don't want you to swing the other way on that either. Because the Bible clearly tells us that we need to value the leaders that God has given to us. But notice the caveat here. It isn't simply follow me, right? It isn't simply follow me. It's follow me as I, as I follow Christ. So there's none of this just follow me because I've got a winsome personality and I'm charismatic and I'm a good teacher and I can sing like angels and I can play like, I don't know, whoever, you know, and that because I'm so gifted, you follow me. No, no, no. You follow me. Paul says, follow me. Even the apostle, the, one of the, the chief leaders of the whole church in those days, even he qualifies it and says, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I do and say the things that Christ would do and say. It also allows us then to compare and contrast, right? That we can look at the scriptures and say, is a particular leader, whether it was Paul 2,000 years ago or it's somebody today in the 21st century, is, is their lifestyle lining up clearly with what the scriptures teach. There's a pathway, it's lit up, there's a runway that, that lights up our lives, it's called the scriptures, and we can look into the scriptures and say, is this somebody that, that we can follow? Follow me as I follow Christ. It isn't follow me as I do my own thing. It isn't follow me as I build up my own reputation or following. But it is implicit and expected that those who ask us to do so are, are in fact following Christ themselves. This means that the person who will be following needs to confirm the one leading or setting the example is actually following Christ. And again, the scriptures being the test. This seems, this seems so obvious that I probably shouldn't, shouldn't say it. But I wrote it down, so let me say it, okay? None of us should be following anybody who isn't following Christ. Duh. Right? There's the duh moment. 
none of us should be following anybody who isn't following Christ. Now, obviously, here I'm talking about our spiritual journey, our walk with God. We don't follow people so they can have a spiritual posse. We aren't looking to build up someone's fans club. We're not trying to like them so they can say they have a thousand, and I have another FB here for you. It's not Facebook. It's thousand faith-based follows. Following does suggest a certain amount of involvement in another person's life. So we better make certain that they are worthwhile to follow. But following doesn't mean blind allegiance. Our allegiance is to whom? Exactly. We choose someone to follow based on their credibility as genuine Christ followers themselves. Perfection isn't the criteria, but we look for spiritual substance and consistency in their lives. Remember again, Jesus is Lord. Our legion and fidelity are to Christ first. Others are used by God to help us conform to the image of Christ, but they're a helper for us and, and not a substitute for our own personal responsibility and maturity. Those who say, follow me, must also be sober in their own self-assessment, asking themselves the question, am I really someone who should be followed? How many of you are geographically challenged when you're driving? Honest now, it's church. Boy, I love it when the hands and the arms sheepishly do this, eh? It's almost like I'm, you know, asking for volunteers to go to war. It's like, right? Now, you know me so well. You know I would never drag a close personal relationship into any of my sermon illustrations. <laughs> Here he goes. No names but a close personal friend of mine to whom I am married. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. If she's in the lead car and she ever says to you, follow me, unless you know where you're going, don't do that. I cannot predict what province you will be in. The best, now this is a little bit of ancient history, but it just, it just came to me. The best was, it was a few years ago, but I remember, now, and Karen, you can ask Karen later. Oh, I said the name, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a slip. We'll edit that, okay, Ash? We'll edit that, yeah. But I remember she was, I think, trying to go east in Windsor or, or somewhere, I don't know if it was Manning and Tecumseh somewhere down there, something like that, and, and again, she volunteers all this information, I'm not dragging it out of her and she ended up down by the bridge <laughs> and it started out the first day we moved here um the very first day we moved here, we needed to get, you know, some, some milk and things like that. 
So her and her dad um, got in the car. Now, we lived in the parsonage on Laird, right? Laird, you just go up Laird a little bit to South Talbot. That's there. You know, you can go down Victoria, or you can just go straight down Laird towards, you know, the grocery store and stuff like that. So um, they left. And, like, it was well over an hour before they came back with the milk. Now, none of us were really familiar with the area at the time. You know, this we just moved in, literally just moved in. And, uh, and it didn't come out that night. But you got to realize, round trip, this should have been like 8 to 10 minutes. And they came back over an hour later, and like we, we found out not that night, but later on that they had literally driven to like 22 to like Manning Road 22 to the grocery store there, in there. That's where they went to get the milk. Like they were in Lakeshore. So, nice girl. I'd marry her all over again. But, but don't follow her in a car. Another true story, my son, again, the oldest one. Kyle's the kind of guy that says this, I'll meet you somewhere. Or he might even say, I'll lead you somewhere. You have to understand this, and I realize that we do have police officers in the room. There is nobody that drives faster than my son in Michigan. So when you're following Kyle up 75 or down 75 or 94, 96, I'm telling you, man, you need to fly to keep that little orange car in front of you so that you can follow. And then when he loses you, meaning me, and he always does because I can't keep up to him, he says to me, like, well, what took you so long? <laughs> Don't follow him either. I guess what I'm saying is, you know what? I'm good to follow everybody else in the family little... Not everyone who calls us to follow should be followed. Those who ask us to follow or have leadership responsibilities need to demonstrate humility. It's no small thing to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Again, self-examination. Is my life a life worthy of following? Again, not a perfect life, because nobody meets that standard. But is it an example of quality as it relates to Christian behavior and conduct? Am I someone that looks and sounds like Jesus? To follow does not mean to duplicate or replicate. We are all individuals unique to Christ and very different from one another, if you haven't noticed. We're not trying to become the person we're following unless the person we're following is Jesus. We are on a journey to Christ's likeness. Sameness to other believers is not our goal, but as our own person, we follow others who can help us on the journey, as it says in Romans 8 and 29, to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's the goal. That's our destination. When we say we are following someone, we should want to know where they're going. The mentor, the student, is on their way to becoming like Jesus to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be a witness to the lost and to the found. Everyone's path is different, but the destination is the same, to be like Jesus. Our goal is to be discipled and to continue to become discipled. Disciple infers discipline. 
It means to be shaped into something, or in our case, shaped into someone, meaning Jesus. Paul tells those at Corinth to follow him, which means this, practice his ways, and they should find that his ways are consistent and in alignment to Christ and his teachings and in his practices. Again, listen to what Paul is not saying. Paul is not saying, become like me. Think about that. You know, I don't know exactly what the Apostle Paul was like. I really don't. But we know from last week's sermon that some at Corinth thought he, you know, he hung the moon. Some thought Cephas did, and some thought Apollos did. He had fans and he had detractors. In fact, one of the things that we know from Paul's letters to Corinth, especially 2 Corinthians, there was a lot of people at Corinth that didn't think a whole lot of Paul. They really didn't. Now, that blows our minds. I mean, you know, 2,000 years later, you know, we pretty much made the Apostle Paul a spiritual icon. You know, he's the guy that wrote, you know, most of the New Testament epistles, leader of the church. I mean, this guy did signs and wonders, and I mean, you know, just a really effective guy, right? And yet at Corinth, because they had guys like Apollos and other itinerant teachers and, and preachers come through they were constantly comparing guys like Paul to some of the others and they you know some of them had this feeling you know while his in you know his written stuff sounds really impressive wise and impressive you know but when he comes to us in person he doesn't seem all that hot at all you know we're kind of underwhelmed by him when he comes in person and so the apostle Paul here w would never say anything like you know, become like me. That wouldn't have flown at Corinth, trust me. That wouldn't have flown at all. But, but follow me as I follow Christ, well, well, that's a whole nother thing. Paul isn't even saying think like me or behave like me. I mean, his mind was so sharp. He had the training of a Pharisee, now enlightened by the Holy Spirit, this guy would be so impressive, at least in my opinion, that to become like Paul would be just a bridge too far for someone like myself. But Paul doesn't ask us about that. Paul says, look, follow me as I follow Christ. You're watching me. I'm perhaps mentoring you. I'm helping you to sort out how to live this Christian life, especially as it relates to your freedom." But at the whole time, while you've got your eyes squared on my back, on my shoulders, so I have my eyes squared on Jesus. And I'm taking every step that I know to take that is the step of Jesus. And I'm doing all that I can to live like Jesus. So that you know when I step, I'm stepping in the, in the footsteps of Christ. And when you're following me, you can be assured that there are quality steps that you're on good ground although all Christ followers should have a common way of thinking biblical we need to be bible based behavior based in the bible spirit led and filled but always even as we are mentoring others what we are not trying to do is produce mini me's not with your kids, not with your friends, not with those in your small groups. We are not trying to produce mini-me's. 
Paul's personal goal is to follow the example of Christ. And obviously that should be the goal for all of us. However, as an apostle, he understands he is to be an example to the church. It's good to have a capable and reliable believer point the way to show us how the life can be lived out. We learn from our examples. So let me look at the examples in the room. You're the examples to somebody. It might be one or two. It might be 20 or 30. I don't know. But you're the examples. You know, this, I think this first hits home for me just at as a family level, right? As, as moms and dads or as grandparents, we're examples to our kids. And I know sometimes that feels like there's a lot of weight on our shoulder to be godly examples to our kids, but we have the responsibility to be that. Again, not perfect, but following, following Christ as best we can, right? We, we have the responsibilities to lead our, our homes as parents and grandparents, to set the spiritual tone, to set the spiritual example, to create an atmosphere and a direction so that... Um, it would be easier for our kids and our grandkids to make a decision to follow Christ because mom and dad and the grandparents live it at home. Mom and dad have a passion for Christ. Mom and dad understand the importance of the fellowship, of the meeting and fellowshipping together, of doing church family together, and the importance of making that priorities in our lives and, and not being too easily, if I can say, distracted from that. It is so easy to fall into the habit of not going, not doing, not reading, not praying, of, of creating and fabricating things that keep us away from here and from one another under the guise that there are other more important things at the time. And you begin to create a pattern for spiritual laziness and eventually perhaps even spiritual departure. Because you're not taking care of yourself, you're not taking care of your family, you're not taking care of your home, and you drift. And it starts with us. If you gathered your family around the table and you had a minute of honesty, would you feel comfortable saying to your kids or your grandkids, follow me as I follow Christ? Or would you feel like there's some hypocrisy there that would need to be dealt with first? Because as leaders in our homes, as leaders in our families, we have not been faithful to do that. And our kids would know that, hmm, this is a change. There's something here that I haven't seen before. The follow me as I follow Christ, first and foremost, must be lived out in our homes. It's great if you're a small group leader of adults or kids, or you're on the worship team, or you're a board member, or you're a pastor or whatever it is that you do in the church or for the kingdom. But first and foremost, follow me as I follow Christ. 
needs to happen in the home. We learn from our examples, all kinds of things from our examples. I would suggest to you that examples are necessary. And I would hope that each of you has someone who is helping you or helping you find the way for you in some capacity. But we're not going to fall into the Corinthian trap, trap of, I follow Paul, I follow Cephas, I follow Apollos. But we're going to be those who are saying, look, I can understand that those people can be examples and mentors, but at the heart of it, at the heart of it, I am following Christ. The servants God sends to us are flesh and blood, and as I mentioned last week, sometimes with feet of clay. And so no fan clubs necessary. Good friends and great examples, yes. Paying homage, definitely not. So we value the God-given ways of mentorship and godly examples. We understand we have lots to learn from those who are ahead of us. We know we owe our allegiance and fidelity only to Christ. But because others watch and listen and follow, because there are those of us who are called to lead others in some capacity, whether at home or at church, we need to understand that the example needs to be set with humility and seriousness. There's a lot on the line here, folks. There's a lot on the line here. There are too many of us who are older in the room that have some kind of, of remorse over kids, grandkids who aren't walking with Jesus. Especially if we sense in some way that maybe we were not the example that we could have been or should have been. That there was spiritual neglect on our part. Now you understand and I understand that everybody eventually makes the choice for themselves. But again, I, I use the phrase of, as parents and grandparents, let's make it as easy as possible to create an environment in our home where Jesus is loved and talked about and, and going to church is considered a good thing and learning from one another and fellowshipping from one, with one another and working with one another for kingdom purposes is a good thing and it's not a drag. A little spiritual enthusiasm in the home would be a, a great thing for our kids and our grandkids. Really being serious about following Christ and his example. Because others watch and listen and follow. Because we are called to lead. Let's take it serious. At the same time, understanding that the task is sometimes it seems bigger than us. I'm going to rip this, this verse out of context, but work with me, okay? In 2 Corinthians 2 and 16, when the Apostle Paul is talking about the commission of, of, of reaching others with the gospel, he says this, who is equal or qualified for such a task? I feel that sometimes as a parent, as a grandparent, right? Who is equal or qualified for such a task? to be a godly example that we can say to our kids and our grandkids, follow me as I follow Christ. Again, it is no small thing. Well, we're not equal without Jesus. We're not equal without the help of the Holy Spirit. We, we can't do this on our own. 
We weren't meant to do this on your own. One of the reasons why we fellowship like this in our gatherings and we meet on Wednesdays or another nights of the week for a small group or whenever it is that you gather with other peoples is it's the recognition that we are to do faith together in community and that we have something to offer one another in community and that, again, one generation can learn from another generation and that can go both ways, by the way. So let's surround ourselves with godly people who are following Christ. You could not do anything better. Let's learn from their examples and let's learn to become an example to others because this is what I want you to understand as well. Is like It's great to have examples in our lives and mentors. It's great to have the Pauls or whoever they are, the Apollos' or the Priscilla's or the Aquilas, whoever they are. It's great to have those fill in the blank for you today. It's great to have those to help us. But, but don't miss this, right? It would be my prayer that you would have the confidence to say to your kids, to your grandkids, to your peers, follow me as I follow Christ. Not just find someone that you can follow because they're solid and that's safe but that you would get to a place in your own walk with God, not arrogance, humility and seriousness, that you would say, follow me as I follow Christ. As I said at the beginning of the sermon, right? If I may be just somewhat repetitive. Who is equal to such a task? How could we have the arrogance to say to somebody, follow me? with all my faults and foibles and failures, with all of my imperfections, with the thing I did last week or said last month, how could I ask somebody to follow me? Well, I think with the grace of Christ, with having the word of God as, as the light that lamps up your runway, that you can take off and land safely, being established firmly in Jesus Christ and his word. And that you don't put on yourself the unbearable weight of perfection is what is, is, is qualifies me. When people follow us as we follow Christ, they will see faults. They will see mistakes. They will hear from us and some of our own do-overs that we'd like to do again. But with Jesus' help, I think all of us should make it our goal, again, with humility and seriousness, and I know that's the third time I've said that now, to be able to say to those who, follow, who, who we connect with, follow me as I follow Christ. I don't want you walking out of here saying, you know what, the goal of Pastor Brent's sermon this morning was to follow someone who's rock solid. What I'd like for you to get from, from this is, is a little bit of that, but I'd also like for you to understand this, that you can be rock solid and people can follow you and that's okay too. And that you shouldn't run away from that or absolve yourself of that responsibility or, or find it as a burden that you can't bear as a parent or a grandparent. That's who we are. That's the place, the position that God has called us to right now and we should, without hesitancy, really, say to those that we connect with, follow me as I follow Christ, especially your family.
that we do not absolve ourselves of the responsibility, regardless of the age of our kids or our grandkids, to saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And you can only do that if in your own walk you are totally serious and committed to Jesus. Don't ask him to do that if you're not willing to do what it takes to be someone who can be followed. Because it does take some spiritual effort in order to be one who can be counted on as someone who can be followed. The people that you look up to and see as either formal or informal mentors, you need to recognize that wherever you think they are in Christ and you're thinking that they're pretty rock solid, it took some spiritual sweat to get there. It took some trials and tribulations. It took some overcoming. It took some hard times. They too probably felt like two steps forward, three steps back sometimes as well. It wasn't always just smooth sailing. It was work to get there. And if you want to be someone who can be followed, guess what? You're going to need to expend a little spiritual energy yourself. And do things when you don't feel like it and it's not convenient and there are other things that you could occupy yourself with. And let's just blow it off this week. If we keep blowing it off, those that we love are going to blow away. Let's pray.